What's up, guys? Welcome back to Everything But Hockey. I'm your host, Andrea Helfrich, and today's episode is in honor of the mamas. I hope you guys got to celebrate with yours over the weekend. If you are a new mom, congratulations. That is so special. And as I was sitting here racking my brain, like, who am I going to have on the show? What mom? What mom? My mom. So Susan Helfrich is joining us on the show, and I could not be more excited if you guys follow along with me on Instagram. You've seen her there many times. She is my best friend. She is an absolute pumper. Like I'm talking, if you're alone in a room with Susan for five minutes, you're going to walk out of that room feeling five feet taller, strutting down the hallway. And the fact that she raised our family on a single income from a business she created out of her bedroom. I'm just proud of her, happy to have her here and share that story and kind of give you a look where I came from. So... Susan, let's do this. Now just test it out before you get all set up. Hello, hello, hello. Testing one, two, three. Better? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Does it go with my jewelry? Does the, do the headphones <laughs> go with your jewelry? Um, I'm going to be honest, no. But it doesn't? Because it's a podcast. No one cares. Nobody cares. Anything but caring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's mom. like anything but hockey but it's anything but caring exactly and you were close my show is called everything but hockey but close everything okay anyway this is definitely going to be my hardest interview yet <sighs> okay I will just pretend that you don't know me no <laughs> easy for you to do. It's me that's having trouble pretending I don't know you. Um, But I'm glad that you can pretend you don't know me. Thanks, mom. Well, that'd be really hard, but I know, but you're such a star. I have you on the show because you've taught me, well, you're my mom and I love you. And there's no one better to have than you for Mother's Day. You know, there are many things that you've taught me, confidence being one of them and financial independence from an early age. I always thought that the woman had to be the breadwinner, not had to be, was, because that is how you raised us. Um, And just a little context on that. My dad was on disability, so he wasn't able to work. So my mom, you raised us with on your income. So I want to start back at A, what did you do for work? Let's start there. Okay. I sold cruises for Rosenbluth Travel and I was their top producer in selling. And I loved it. And it was a great job. So if I wanted to go on a cruise, I called Susan, you booked me a cruise. Exactly. And it was wonderful. And I knew everything there was to know about it. I studied, I researched. I mean, that's how I got to be top producer. But then at 27, I got pregnant with you. And when I realized how much it was going to cost me to physically go back out to work, I realized that it would be a lot less expensive. I would have to pay somebody to babysit you, you know, the um, lunches out, the driving, the gas, it was just, basically I would be working and making no money. So when I spoke to Lee Rosenbluth um, and told him my conundrum with this, he basically said, listen, you're our top producer. We can't lose you. We're going to put a computer in your house 
And that was the beginning of everything. It happened a little bit before you were born. They put the computer in my house. And again, um, nobody knew because nobody was working out of their house. So we kind of kept that on the down low and people thought I was still in the office, but they would come in virtually through my computer and it was called Prodigy back then. And what was Prodigy? The name of the agency? It was sort of like... um, it was on AOL, but it was sort of today, like a Priceline and Expedia. There was none of that. I was it. So if anybody in the United States wanted to book a cruise on Prodigy, they came into my bedroom via <laughs> the internet and I booked them a cruise online, which was unheard of back then. So it but was- But very 2021 of you. Like yes. you literally are doing what everyone has done for the past at least year. Yeah, it took them a while to catch up. Just only thirty some years. Um, (laughs) Well, one, you're really lucky, I think, that your boss allowed you to work out of your house, and like you said, it was kind of on the DL at the time. Yes, well, it it had just come to fruition, and what had happened, I would just happen to be very lucky because he had just signed up with this company called Prodigy on AOL Mm -hmm. to do this online computer cruise selling. And um, it was literally sitting in his office. No one wanted to touch it. They were so used to people coming in and booking cruises and booking travel. And so they just kind of left this computer on the side and I didn't. I worked around day and night. I'd work around your nap times. I'd work around feeding times. I'd work around bath times. I mean, you came first, of course, but Late nights, early mornings, I was doing that. And of course, then my mother came to even help at the house to take care of you because you'd wake up at like four in the morning and she'd be there to let you sleep so you could wake (laughs) up in two more hours and work. Exactly, exactly. So I was very blessed and very lucky. And yes, all the women in our life worked. I mean, my mother was a you know, breadwinner and her mother was a breadwinner. Her mother was a seamstress um, for many, many people, but she also and came over from as an immigrant, didn't speak the language. Right. Just- as an immigrant, didn't speak the language. My mother had to uh, read everything that came in the mail for her, had to pay all the bills for her. And before that, her sisters did it because they all grew up here. Mm-hmm. Um, she could speak English, but she couldn't read or write. So right. what she could do is she could sew. And she was a seamstress to the stars back then. Nancy Sinatra and Debbie Reynolds and, you know, and obviously anybody that needed dresses. But yeah, so we come from... I guess, three generations of the woman working. Which is why I thought that was the norm. And then dad was Mr. Mom, which is funny. Wasn't there like a movie about that or or (laughs) a character, a what show? I think so. I I forget the name of it, but yes, he was Mr. Mom. Yeah, because I didn't make that term up. That was like- No. Yeah. Anyway, so dad would- drive me to dance class and Mark to my brother, Mark to wrestling and do the whole like cook dinner. And he, it was just, that was our dynamic. So yeah, like I said, like, that's how I thought it was. Everyone's dynamic was, but it really helped you because as he was driving you to dance class where all the mothers would stay, I felt sad during, I will be honest. Like Yes. You, you, you were talking about how when dad would drop me off at dance class, all the moms would stay and like watch their kids dance. Yes. 
and do their makeup and put them in their outfits. For competitions in- you're talking about. When we yes. would, so I was on the dance competition team. I started when I was six. And with that, if you guys didn't do that, um, we would travel to different, like Voorhees, New Jersey was where a lot of them were held. They would just be in like the gymnasiums or auditoriums of like local colleges, high schools, whatever. So we'd go compete and it was always far away, early mornings. And we had to do, get all done up. Like you, if you've watched dance moms, you have a little, you have a big idea actually of what dance competitions are. You're a little girl with full on makeup, full on hair and like a crazy costume. And that's what we did. But, um, yeah, the moms, when you're six, get you ready. So you weren't able to come to any of these competitions. I came to a very few of them when I could on Saturdays, but um, your father would drop you off and then you'd spend all day getting ready yourself. And a lot of times I would come later to just see the competition, Mm -hmm. but by then you had already put on your full face of makeup. You had already (laughs) done your hair. You had already got dressed yourself and no one else did that. At six years old, they were all being dressed. You you were dressing yourself at two, honestly. You would look in your closet and you would point and I would get it out and you would decide what to wear. So, How many fashion um, fails did I have? None. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is something you'll learn about my mom throughout this episode. Like I can do no wrong in her eyes. And while that is a um, idealist approach to life. Well, it was real to me. I'm sure every mother feels that way about their daughter. It's just normal my normal feelings. To that point, you always feeling that way or telling me, even if I put on a ridiculous outfit, that it was great. It just like gave me that confidence to walk into situations where normally I would be nervous, but I, I don't know. You just pumped me with the confidence that I, I could do it. I don't know. Well, it is important to know that you obviously you have choices and you choose good versus evil. Obviously you choose good. But um, as far as like normal things like a dance competition, I always taught you that, you know, you're the only one that knows your dance moves. So if you make a mistake on stage and you are doing a solo dance to just keep going, because no one knows. And a lot of the girls, I mean, you know, they're six, they're eight, they're 10. They would stop in the middle and start crying or run (laughs) off. You didn't, you just kept going because in the back of your mind, you always told me, you heard me say, no one knows that I made a mistake. So you just kept going. And that's what you have to do. You have to just pick yourself up and just put one foot in front of the other and go. Yeah. Even though you weren't there in person, you did always like, tell me these, give me these life lessons that then I would remember when you weren't there. Um, I'm thinking also my favorite saying, I guess, is you don't get brownie points for being upset. And that's one that she loves to use. If I'm just bitching about something, I guess, or so upset about something that like no one knows. I don't know. How do I explain this one? Basically, you should only worry about the things you have control over. Mm -hmm. You can worry about setting up your microphone because you have control of your microphone. You can't worry if it's going to rain. You have no control over the rain. So you have control over, if you're doing a dance recital, to keep dancing, or you can stop and, and cry. So, but you get no points for crying and you win for keeping going. So, um, nobody is perfect, but it's the momentum. It's 
to keep it going. And where all the, you were, you were very, you were so easy because I could just tell you something and you would take it to heart. Another thing that you did that I think really helped me out was you pushed me into the workforce at a very young (laughs) age. Some would call it, I'm not going to say that slavery, but. Oh my goodness. That (laughs) is not true. It was early mom. Was I 10? Yes, you were 10, but, but there was a big difference. So basically by the time you were 10 years old, because of my job, because I sold cruises, um, I had to escort between four and six cruises a year. We would do group cruises with, you know, celebrities and their fan bases, and I had to escort it. So, you know, sometimes we had soap opera stars, sometimes we had singers, sometimes we had decorators. Um, my first one was Christopher Lowell that you went on. We'll get, and, oh, we'll get into oh, that in a sec. By the time you were 10, you had already been on over over 20 cruises. Your first cruise no was way. two and a half. No, mom, I think that we number- went be- We went between four and six times a year. So I had to take you a lot of times, a lot of times. You were on four cruises a year for years. And we had a tight, tight little family powwow because uh, if you haven't been on a cruise, cabins are like, I don't know, probably 10 feet by 12 feet. They're very tiny. (laughs) So small. And all four of us. All in four of us in bunk beds. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it, it was tight, but the difference was, so you would hear me on the phone talking to clients. Um, you knew a lot of the groups because you were on the group cruises. You knew all the islands that you had been to. I mean, you had been a lot of places. So what happened was you had said one day, can I help you make calls? So <laughs> worst question I ever asked you. Was I nine or 10 at this time? You, you, nine, I don't remember. Nine or 10, you asked me. And at first I said no, at <laughs> least at least four or five times. And you asked and you asked and you asked. Finally, I said yes. So I gave you a list of people. I was using an ACT database, which was incredible. They were all warm calls. They were all people that I knew some of the people you knew, they were never like, Oh, call a stranger. And out of you the phone weren't book. worried about the people that did know me knowing I was 10 calling them <laughs> to follow up and see if they'd like to check out the Eastern Caribbean this year. Cause they went to the Western last year. Like that didn't cross your mind as like looking unprofessional. No, because you had been to the Eastern and Western at least 15 times. So I was not, you knew every question. I mean, the only reason you were calling them is seeing if they wanted a brochure for their next adventure, but then they'd say, Oh, well, what do you think? And you actually had an opinion because you had been there so many, so many times. So embarrassed I mean, I had a, the school was very cool with me too, because they just kept letting me pull you out of school constantly because they said it was more educational anyway. Wait, what? To- I don't remember this. You pulled me out of school to make calls. No, no. I pulled you out of school oh. to take you on the cruises, but no, no, no. The calls you, you basically did it for an entire summer, but honestly, after the first, like, I don't know, few weeks, you were like, mom, I don't think I want to do this anymore. No, I was like watching all my friends go to the beach. And I remember 
like my one best friend was like, come down to the beach with me. We're going to Cape May. And I was like, I can't, I have to make calls. (laughs) (laughs) I made the bed and now I have to lay in it. You were my best salesperson. You were your only salesperson. Team of two. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. Incredible. I sold so much that summer that you helped me. And then of course, when school started, obviously it all stopped, but I am telling you, I wanted you to do it every summer. Of course, one summer was all you did, but you were incredible that summer. We sold more that summer than any other summer. It's funny to think about, but okay. I do want to go back to, um, you started to mention about the celebrity cruises and we kind of like skipped an entire chapter that we should go back to because for your career, we get that you're in travel, you're selling cruises, you get to work from home, which is really awesome. But then there's a transition from selling cruises to um, Bob and Mary, right? To then group cruises with celebrities. And that's really cool. So it's like, I don't know how you want to start this. What happened was- What happened was- What happened was- you know, I was the first one to sell cruises out of my house. Okay. So that was great. And I was real used to it and I kind of loved it. And I was making so much money because I was the only one. So anybody that wanted to book a cruise came to me. Okay, great. Well, I rode that out. You cornered the market or you rode it out for a while. Then all of a sudden, believe it or not, like there was a price line there was an Expedia. Uh, all of a sudden I'm getting like pushed to the side because there's all these, all this competition. I'm like, whoa, this isn't any good. I'm not used to this. So I'm trying to, in my mind, think what, what could I do to be different? Because that's what it's all about. You have to find a niche and you have to be different. So I'm thinking group cruises. Okay. I'll, I'll put together a group. What kind of group? I don't know. A golf group. I don't know. A, a church group. I don't know. I mean, all these were going through my head, but I didn't know. And I tried here and there with the local this and that, and like, it kind of just didn't happen. So all of a sudden I'm watching every day for lunch. I would go and have lunch in front of the TV. And this is the only (laughs) time you left your, your office in our spare bedroom, still in pajamas though. Still in but Never I had gorgeous pajamas. They were all Victoria's Secret. You looked I, like a star, but I'm, I'm just. I loved my silk pajamas. Still wearing them, actually. <laughs> Same ones. We're frugal. Yes, um, exactly. Um, no, I mean, with COVID, we're all still wearing pajamas. I was just doing it a lot earlier. You're a trendsetter. So you're in the, you're watching Discovery Channel. And my favorite decorator, whose name was Christopher Lull. And he says, um, I watch him every day. I knew every show inside and out. I even watched reruns. I mean, so it just, it was my lunch. It was what I did for lunch. It was a way to just chill and then go back to the phones, back to the computer. Um, So one day out of the blue, he says, just off the cuff, oh, we should all go on a cruise. And he, you know, he keeps talking. Did you like spit your food out? I, I dropped everything. I dropped my fork. I ran upstairs to the computer and I looked up his contact information and I wrote him a letter. I said, on today's date at this time on this channel, you mentioned going on a cruise and that's what I do. And I'd love to do a group cruise for you. So, um, 
I sent out this letter in the postal mail. I know nobody uses that anymore, but they did. Um, <laughs> so I sent, I send this letter and I don't hear anything. So I guess. You mean a carrier later, pigeon didn't come back like a day later, <laughs> like with Christopher <laughs> Lowell himself. <laughs> I, although I expected it cause he just said it. Hey. So 10 days later, I sent him another letter. 10 days later, I sent him another letter. I sent him a letter in the mail every 10 days to two weeks for probably nine months. Was it the same letter? No, they were all different letters That's in insane. different iterations, but they all had the time and date where he said, oh we should all go on a cruise. But it was like, oh, I, I just saw your show on this and uh, I bought something similar and you're so um, cute. I, I just you tried to personalize each letter. Oh, I personalized each letter. Of course, you put I couldn't send them the same letter. Right. No, I didn't think so. But this is important because it even if you are emailing the same person over and over, sometimes people get lazy like me and you just copy and paste the same. But you didn't. I didn't. Okay. Nine months worth of letters. Wow. It, almost an entire pregnancy. Yes, almost. And then at 10 months, did we give birth to Christopher Lowell? Well, <laughs> at 10 months, I get a call. Okay. And this is Susan from Cruise Events. Can I help you? Oh my God. Those, those words will never leave my mind because my bedroom is right outside her office. Anyway. Right. The voice on the other end says, hello, my name is Dan Levin and I'm Christopher Lowell's attorney. And, and we'd I, like you to please stop writing him. <laughs> I got so scared. All I, I just gushed. I said, I am so sorry. He said he wanted to go on a cruise. I wrote a lot of letters. I didn't mean to write you that many scared. letters. I, I honestly thought I was calling to be like a cease and desist. Like you better stop writing to this man. Yeah. Cause whose lawyer calls you unless you're in trouble. <laughs> exactly. I was scared to death. I was shaking. I was like, oh my God, I've done something terrible. Um, so he actually lets me go on for a little bit apologizing and that I'll never do it again. And, <laughs> and he finally stops me and he says, hold on, hold on. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, no, he says, we've been having such trouble with the mail. Um, we have somebody reading our mail, but bags and bags of mail were found for months and months and they didn't go through them. And we just, we just got your letter and he's very interested. Can you fly out and meet us in LA? I was like, yes. You're like, hold on, let me get my tissue. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. So then I got a team of people together and I literally flew out with four people, three others from the cruise lines. See, so this is a team I would have wanted to be on, but I was not on that flight. Sounds cool. Well, you know, you said you were done after that summer. I know. Now I'm kicking myself. So you get on a flight with your team of people that didn't include me. Yes. And, and we go out to a very expensive restaurant in Beverly Hills, and it was so much fun. And we planned his whole cruise uh, right then. And that was the beginning of me hosting different celebrity hosted cruise events on ships with the celebrity and all of their fan bases. And you were on that cruise too. I know, I know. So, I'm so proud of you and hearing that whole story, like, uh, you know, these aren't stories that I, like we talk about all the time. So it's cool yeah. to like hear the entire, the whole thing. Um, were you, 
starstruck or nervous at all for that dinner because he was like, you were his, not his biggest fan. I'm not trying to make you out to be a stalker. Yeah. But like you watched him every day. Same with like influencers today. You know, the influencers that you watch on YouTube, you've got people you love. I've got people I love. We're fans of them. So here you were a fan of his when you're at dinner with him, did it all kind of feel surreal or did you just what, like, do you remember? Yes, I remember, but no, it, for whatever reason, that wasn't what was driving me. I just felt extremely powerful because I brought three men from different cruise lines to, so I walked in with, I was a party of four. It was myself and three men all in suits. I mean, I just felt, I You had a squad deep. You were squad deep. And it was only him and his attorney. So I felt more powerful because I had more peeps. Hmm. Interesting. And the peeps were from different cruise lines to what pitch their cruise line as being the one he should choose. Um, it was just, so they weren't even doing that. It was just more that he should do a cruise. Like they, they weren't, they were there to educate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it was so that when we did decide to pick a cruise, they would actually know the senior VP of this cruise line, the senior VP of that cruise line. And then I think I had one sales rep. So I just, I want, I couldn't, little Susie couldn't walk in to have a meeting with Christopher and his attorney. I felt too, I didn't feel strong enough. So I felt if I brought three other guys with me, like top guys from the Mm -hmm. cruise lines, then all of a sudden I could feel empowered, which I did. Okay. So you were prepared. That is what I'm hearing. Yes. Very prepared. Okay. And then the rest is history. Susie and Christopher became besties and Yes. Cruise. And, and then people started coming to me. He recommended me to a couple people. We did a lot of uh, repeat cruises, Dark Benedict. I mean, we just, from uh, Battlestar Galactica, I mean, we did a lot. And it was so wonderful. I felt so good. I mean, what a great business afterwards that people are coming up and hugging us saying, oh my God, I've always wanted to meet this star or that star. And you made it possible. And, you know, one was a soap opera star and they got to, you know, we uh, rallied off scripts and they got to read a script with our favorite soap opera star. I mean, so wow. we really, it was, yeah, a, I remember there a were good time. There were really cool programs where you'd go to like cocktail hour on well, a cocktail hour on the cruise that you curated with the host or like the celebrity and they would do, I guess Christopher's was probably a lot of design decorating content. Yes. Or or not content. What am I saying? Well, we set up special events just around the celebrity. So for Christopher, there were decorating events. There were, um, you know, just a photo get together where you got to have a photo. So you wouldn't have people chasing them around to take a photo. It was like, all right, this is your private time to take a photo. We had professional photographers come in, the perfect lighting. I mean, so we really made each group event like special and private. And then what would happen is the reason that it would, we would repeat is because it was all like-minded people. So the fans would become friends with each other mm. that they had never known before. So you basically, it really, it, it sounds like a community that people are building like on Instagram or on YouTube today. It's really fun. These communities you got to build. It was fun. And then obviously then you know, I rode that for another good 10 years until other people started copying my idea. And then all of a sudden I wasn't 
I know, know we were so, so sad. Who was the biggest, not um, the one you were most sad about not getting? I know Oprah, that was really sad. Yeah. You really yeah. wanted to No, Oprah. there there were several that I was, there were many that I didn't get that I was very sad about and other people were getting. And I realized that, okay, it was time for me to pick another business. And then I got into the film business. <laughs> so Wow. Okay. Before we even get there, I do remember going on these cruises with you and something fun that we did is I had all these clothes that we were going to donate uh, just to like Purple Heart. I think we always donated around here at home. Uh, but instead we packed an extra suitcase or two because luggage was not an issue when I was younger. They didn't charge right. extra money like they do now. And we brought we brought so many clothes to, yes. I don't, how did you set that up? Because I was young at this time. I was like still eight, nine, 10. I don't remember. Where were we donating? I set it up. I would call, I was, you know, on the board of a lot of travel while I was on the governor's travel and tourism board in, in Pennsylvania, of course, but I knew other board members in the different places that we were going of their tourism department. So I would literally call them and I'd say, hey, my kids are growing out of clothes and toys. Would it be helpful for us to bring, you know, a suitcase or two of boys and girls clothes, toys, shoes, um, you know, just things that they would want. And they were so thrilled to get them. And because back then, I believe you could bring not only two suitcases per person, but there was no weight requirement at all. Yeah. Those suitcases so we, were stuffed. Stuffed. <laughs> Didn't we do something with Miss Puerto Rico? Yes. Yes. That was another event that we did where she also was involved with us help donating more right, I think she she then took our donations and figured out where to send them like what shelters needed needed them the most in the area we did it several times so yeah, yeah there were different that was really cool. iterations of all of that um and then I just thought of like the whole pageant thing we went on because thinking about Miss Puerto Rico then so for those of you guys that don't know I competed in Miss Philadelphia for quite a few years until I won. Um, and my mom and I, I think I was probably 15 or 16. We were what watching E True Hollywood Story, which was a favorite Saturday, Sunday yeah. thing for us. So I must have yes. been 16 looking to get ready to go to college. Eva Longoria comes on E True Hollywood Story talking about she did pageants, she got scholarship money, which helped pay to her tuition. My mom and I's ears went like whoop. And yeah, then, then we started on that whole, whole journey. Yeah. I, I was, I was so proud of you because your platform even kind of before that was mothers against drunk drivers, because you were in the backseat of a car, um, coming home from cheerleading practice and a drunk driver hit you. Yeah. So we, you were so lucky that you didn't get as hurt as the rest of the girls did. Um, but that allowed you to go on a crusade against that. And especially during prom time, I was so proud of you. You would go to the various different high schools in the area and speak. And of course I would go and film you speaking and you could hear a pin drop, which is so unusual in an auditorium filled with uh, kids, kids the same listening age. to this. That was something that was very, like very pivotal because I was 16. We're in this accident. It was very traumatizing 
it's just, it's scary. We were at a red light and hit from behind. And, you know, you're just at that age where it's uncomfortable to then share your story about it. You're not, you're not sure of yourself at 16, like who is. So you helped push me in the direction of, listen, this happened. You can help others educate others. So it doesn't happen to them. And then that transitioned into pageants because you needed to have a platform in Miss America that you advocate for. And that's how it was already something that I was doing. What? I was proud of you for not giving up because well, that I was relates say, to the whole Christopher Lowell thing. You did not give up. Well, okay. So I, I'm wondering how that was for you as a mom, because I was crushed every time you guys, I, it was my first pageant ever at 17. So obviously you expect to not win. you're 17. I was graduating high school. I had just gotten over mono that like put me on my ass for two months. I lost all this weight. I was like, this disgusting little 96 pound. It was horrible. Like my dad had a, like, it was just not cute getting out of mono. And I was a dancer. That was my talent. So I was super weak. I probably sucked, but I get third runner up somehow, like by grace of God. So that was really exciting. And then the next year I go back. No, next year I went to college. I competed in Miss Westchester. I won. That was really exciting and a great year. And then 19, I'm like, Oh, I'm doing Miss Philly again. I go back, I get third runner up again. So I was like, wait, all this experience under my belt and I'm in the same spot, but that year I didn't try as hard and then try as hard. So then the next year I like was at the gym, like for four months training and I was ready, whatever fourth year I finally won. But how'd you deal with that every time I lost? Cause that had to be hard for you as a parent to be like, just keep trying again. We had so much fun you know, all the time that I didn't get to drive you to dance recitals between six and 12, all of a sudden, you got your I time was back. able to, yeah, I got all this time back with you. I didn't, I didn't care if you never won. It was just <laughs> so much fun to, you know, get ready. And, and I was taking you to dance auditions and I was taking you to, you know, coaching sessions and I was taking you to buy clothes and taking you to, you know, everywhere we were just like, we had a calendar, like every day or every night we got to spend, I don't know, three to five hours together. I had the best time of my life during that. When you won, I was like, oh, (laughs) but then it was great because then you took me to your event. So it it happened full circle. My my plus one for one year as Miss Philadelphia. That's what life is about, creating great memories, How do you doing the right thing, making the right choices, which you did because life is a choice. How are you so positive? Like you've always also instilled that in me, uh, looking at the glass half full, there's no other way to look at it than positively. I, I also credit you to the way I, my outlook on the world at being a positive one. How did you stay so positive with going through, like we talked about the happy times on this. Obviously there's a lot of hardship that comes with the weight of an entire family's financial status. Oh, I was scared for years. I spent my life being scared, but it's a choice. And I chose to be positive. I chose for the glass to be half full. I mean, when I was 14, I read this book and I swear it changed my life. It was by Wayne Dreyer and it was 
it was incredible. It's called your your erroneous zones, and it was all about making the right choices. And even if you make the wrong choice, at least if you thought it was the right choice at the time, mm -hmm. like you you chose to do something, and then it turned out like oh that wasn't such a good choice. Okay, but then you make another choice. So I don't know. I just felt like that book really opened my eyes up to not being not feeling like the victim because anybody can feel like the victim and it's much harder to look at it and say you know what okay that happened to me i'm acknowledging it that hurt i didn't like it it was very uncomfortable but now i'm going to do something that's going to make something better because if i don't do it who's going to do it no one i no have one. to do it uncomfortable is i feel like every time i'm uncomfortable it's a good thing i've been it turns out to be a good thing yes eventually. it sucks in the beginning because yes. it is so uncomfortable but even i'm thinking back to after i worked for you as my first job at 10 then you were like i, I guess i guess i should have just stopped saying things but then the next <laughs> summer or two summers later i'm like mom i want to be a lawyer and all of a sudden, like a day later, not really, but I'm in a law firm as an intern at 12. And I was so uncomfortable. I was excited. Believe me, I was thrilled because I used to play like imaginary lawyer with my, my friend from elementary school. But I was uncomfortable because I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. But you would have made an amazing lawyer. You see, you, she pumps me. She pumps that's, me. No, that's why when you said, I want to be a lawyer, I immediately called a few of my friends and found a law firm that needed, you know, a part-time intern. I mean, you were filing things. Yeah. You All were I was doing is filing. Yeah, exactly. Phones. Yeah, that and the phone. And um, so I, my mistake, unfortunately, I was trying to have you see what it was like. And then I thought, oh, well, the following year, they'll let you do a little more, a little more. I didn't understand the difference in Law. of lawyers. What, Law. what you did, right. There's many different types of lawyers. And what you would have been perfect at is entertainment law, which is contract law, which is, you know, just reading and I, thinking. See, I don't know if I would be, mom. Negotiating. You would Negotiating, been. fine, but I hate reading contracts. Okay. Whatever. But, but the thing is, once you read them, you know what it's that, you know, whatever. Okay. So, but my mistake was not understanding all the differences of law. I accidentally let you go to work for a personal injury attorney, which was the worst mistake of, uh, that I made for you, because all you would do is you'd come home and you'd say, Oh my God, they scream all day. I never want to be a lawyer. Yeah. It was rough. I was like, it was just like F bombs after F bombs. And it was so people were heated. hurt and so, they were yeah. calling saying, you know, I just got in a car accident and I need money. And I just didn't realize. So if I had it to do over again, I would have put you in an entertainment law firm that did contracts where you wouldn't have heard people cursing all day long. So, and that unfortunately turned you off to law. Yeah. Well, like you said, you made the choice. I tried. You did. I tried. You tried. You tried. I tried. I, I didn't get that one right, but I tried. But you know what? That was my point 
of bringing that up is like, it was a time I was very uncomfortable for many reasons for being my age and being there and not feeling confident in that. And then also just how it was kind of heated and tense. Um, but and the- also I had a girlfriend named Amy who went all through law school and I'll just never forget this. And she came out and it's a long time because you have to go through college first, then you mm-hmm. go through law school, then you have to intern, I guess, at a law firm. So she did it for, I don't know, probably 15 years total. And, and she finally told me she hated every minute of it. And that's why I kind of wanted you to see what it was like. Mm-hmm. I just accidentally put you in the wrong realm, but who knows me, as you say, you don't like reading contracts. Maybe you wouldn't have liked entertainment law either. Yeah, no, it's better to, I think what was really cool. And I want to do this with my kids, hopefully is put them in these kind of positions at a young age, like you did. So you can see what you like and what you don't like, because there's a beauty in finding something you hate because you know, you don't want to do that. You're not going to waste your time investing in a major to go work in a career that you don't like. So could you imagine 15 years and she hates law? It's horrible. Did, did she yeah. continue practicing or did she like switch careers? She went into real estate instead, <sighs> which is good, but still to waste what a, 15 years. Yeah. And then she felt bad because she had paid all this money to go to law school. Yeah, that's, that's intense. Well, yeah. thanks for helping me know I didn't want to do that at 12. Okay. That's the moral <laughs> of that story. Any, anytime. Well, thanks for being on my podcast. You're my first family member on the show. And while, while a little bit harder than I thought it would be, I think it went really well. It was so fun. And I love being with you. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow on Mother's Day and lots of fun. This is the first year that I'm actually here in a long time on Mother's Day. Yeah, usually you're traveling. But I do have a serious question. Do you want... um, a balloon garland. <laughs> no, but thank you. I love your balloon garlands. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you'll get the balloon garland thing. I feel like over the past five months, I've made and then shared the process of making balloon garlands. Anytime I've got like my grandmother's birthday, my mom's birthday, my friend's mom's birthday, that's just what I feel is my festive contribution. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and that it gave you a look of, like I said, where I come from, who my mom is, what she's all about. And I'm just so proud of her and I'm in awe of her every day, like many of us are with our moms. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. And while you are in the review section, let me know who you want to get on here next. I will be diligently working all throughout the off season, making sure you guys are getting the best content right here. Until then, have a safe and healthy week and I'll see you guys next time.